Um, good morning, everybody. How are you? Everybody doing okay? Everybody doing okay in the heat? Every, anybody sleep badly last night? Too warm? Anybody? I'm so sorry about this weather. Should we just say that we're going to pray now for drizzle and cold air? This is the worst for me, I'll tell you. Like, Jenny thinks that I overheat like a baby. I can't control my own body temperature, and I think that's true. I had about four cold showers yesterday. It was just too hot for me, so hopefully it'll end soon. Um, uh, I know, I know. Some of you like the sunshine, but... Um, okay, well, this morning, I'm excited to say that we are starting a new sermon series. Yeah, that's exciting. Come on. The front row. There's three people on the front row. Come on. It's going to be good. We are going to be going through the Gospel of Luke together. Um, we're going to be looking at Jesus's life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Um, and I'm really excited uh, for what we're going to get out of this. Uh, Luke, who wrote the Gospel account, uh, we don't know a huge amount about him. Um, what we do know is he was a doctor, a physician. Um, not a doctor necessarily how we think of doctors today with stethoscopes and prescriptions, um, but more it was more of a of a calling um, and a lifestyle than it was a job title. And although there was a surgery in the first century, I can't imagine how bad that was. It was actually quite rare. Um, it was probably more that the the health um, administration that he was doing was probably more around herbal and traditional remedies. So not a doctor as we would kind of imagine one today. We also know that Luke, he wasn't a, a Jew. He was a Gentile. He wasn't born into is, Israel. Um, and, and we also know that because of his trips to um, with Paul, we, we read in the book of Acts that he has some trips with Paul. Uh, he was probably living in a place called Philippi. Uh, you'll know that from the letter of the Philippians. Um, so we, we do know a few things about him, and he was certainly well-educated. When we read through his gospel, uh, it's often, commentators often say it's similar to that of like a, a Greek historian. It's so well-written. Charles Swindle says that perfectionists, they love Luke. Um, he has the mind of a scientist, the pen of a poet, and the heart of an artist. Um, it's a nice description, isn't it? I wish someone said that about me. Um, and... A Bible fact for all you Bible nerds out there like me, he, he's, he's uh, responsible for 33% of the New Testament. So a non-Jew is responsible for explaining 33% of the Jewish Messiah uh, in the New Testament, um, which is pretty incredible, I think. It's the largest proportion of the New Testament. He, he's written most of it. So um, that's a little bit of an introduction of who Luke is. Um, we're going to just look at his opening sentences here. Uh, Luke 1, uh, 1 to 4, it's coming. Uh, it, it says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an odd, orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So Luke is clear. Look, like I know there's other accounts of Jesus out there. I know other people have, have 
written down what's happened, how it happened, what went on. But like Luke here, this this really good writer, really good at kind of weighing up the evidence, going out and finding out things for himself. He's gone. He's be, almost been commissioned by this Theopolis guy. We don't know who this is, a bit of a mystery character. But he's being commissioned to go and to actually talk to people who, who saw what happened, who were in the town, who were in the village when it happened, that miracle took place. Did this really happen? We've heard this and heard eyewitnesses. And from that, he's put together his, his research, his findings, all the things. And he's saying, hey, you can be certain of these things because I've been, I've checked, I've asked, I've, I've heard them back the stories from the people who were there. So that's who Luke is. So I'm excited to dig into this together. Um, and I want to say right from the get-go, as we open up this account uh, of, of Jesus' life and his ministry and what he accomplished on this earth, there's a choice that you have to make. There's a choice of whether or not you want these stories, these accounts, to change you. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in power in each and every one of us. And he wants to change us from the inside out to look more like, his, more like Jesus. And, and, and that's a choice that we can make. So you can say, I'm going to be open-hearted. I might know some of these stories. I might have read them a thousand times for some of you. I might be hearing this for the first time ever. But actually, it's a choice on whether or not we want to be hard-hearted or open-hearted to what God wants to speak to us this morning. Amen? Okay. All right. So... With that being said, uh, we're going to jump into a great character this morning. I'm very excited about this one, and I think you will be too. But uh, we're going to talk about John the Baptist, um, who, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of this guy, uh, John the Baptizer. Um, so let me pray real quick, and we're going to jump into a piece of scripture, Luke 3, for those who have the Bibles, Luke 3, verse 3. Um, so let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that you've already been speaking to us and speaking your promises to us in time of worship. Um, But like Steve brought as he was leading us in that song, the king of my heart, Lord, it's a choice of whether or not we want you to be king. But Lord, I pray this morning through the power of your spirit, would you bring a fresh revelation of your love to your children? Lord, would we be open to you speaking, to changing us, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Okay, Luke 3, verse 3. We are jumping right into some teaching here, okay? So uh, this is John, John the Baptist. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley should be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out uh, to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, that's a lovely welcome, isn't it? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we're Abraham, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, 
Anyone who has two shirts should share one with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you were required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't exalt money and don't exalt money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, like I said, we've jumped like straight into some, uh, some action here uh, as readers. And we're going to break this down a little bit as we go this morning, but um, we're finding that John the baptizer, his ministry is like absolutely full flow, and he's calling Jews, non-Jews, to come and be baptized. But John's life, you know, he's called John the Baptist, but his life was actually so much more than that. John's adult life was characterized by a devotion and a surrender to Jesus and his coming kingdom. Uh, John's father, he's a man called Zachariah, a priest, and his mother Elizabeth, who is actually a relation to Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. And I'd encourage you to go back in chapters one and two, read that story of even how John was conceived. It was, it's incredible. Um, you go back and read that. John the Baptist is talked about in all four Gospels. And we know from Matthew's Gospel that John, well, he certainly wasn't the most presentable of people. Um, I've, I was looking at some pictures, some art, artist impressions of John this week. This is, this is my favorite. Um, for no other reason other than I know for a fact that's absolutely not what he looks like whatsoever. Um, he looks like, you know, moisturized, happy-ish. Um, like, you know, he's just been told he's not allowed to use the internet for the rest of the week. Like, but this is pretty common. In Western art, we kind of take biblical characters and make them look nothing like they looked. Um, and this just makes me chuckle. So what we do know about John is he didn't look like that. Um, we know that, uh, um, that actually he wore camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. In the Gospel of Mark, it makes it clear that he looked, he sounded, and he acted completely different from the religious people that they'd become accustomed to around them. Uh, he didn't dress to impress. Uh, unlike the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, chief priests, scribes, Herodians, all these people that they had in, in religious power around them, they all dressed themselves in fine linen. And yet John, he chooses to dress himself in camel's hair, right? And, and a leather belt around his waist. He used to live a rugged life. He didn't live in some lovely moisturized, you know, place. He actually used to live a rugged life. He lived in the mountainous area of Judea uh, between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. If you look on the map and you go from Jerusalem and you head east to the Dead Sea, you come to a place uh, called Qumran. I've got a little picture of it here. This is it today. Qumran is right on the Dead Sea. Uh, there's this mountainous region in between here and Jerusalem. And uh, I, I would encourage you, if you've got an hour to waste in your life, like Google Qumran and go on YouTube and watch some videos. This place is like absolutely amazing. It used to be filled with uh, 
just zealous Jews, not zealots, they were different, they used to kill people, but zealous Jews who used to just uh, write out scripture over and over and over again. Like they, they, they have um, uh, all sorts of ceremonial things in there that they've, the archaeologists have, have found. It's an incredible place. Have you heard of the, anybody heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, Qumran is where they found them. Like a stone's throw from there, there's loads of caves. It was destroyed in AD 70. The Romans tore it down just like they did Jerusalem. And they think that they hid the Dead Sea Scrolls from, from this place, Qumran. Stones throw away these caves and they're incredible. Anyway, if you want to lose an hour of your life. But they think that this is where John uh, spent a lot of his time. They think that he spent a lot of his time there. Um, and uh, so we know that he, he wasn't moisturized. He probably had leathery skin. He wore camel's hair, uh, a leather belt. He would have been very tanned. Um, and we also know that he didn't eat like the other religious leaders ate. Um, the other religious uh, leaders, they, they had the best meat from the sacrifices. Did, can anybody tell me what John the Baptist ate? Anybody? Lo- locusts and honey. And you know what? Like, I, I don't know if you know, I'd be, I had to self-isolate last week. It was horrible. Uh, but I had to self-isolate and I, maybe I went a bit crazy because I was preparing. I thought, wouldn't it be good to like really get in the mood for John the Baptist to, to like eat some locusts and honey? So I went on Amazon, typed in locusts. They don't have any. They were fresh out this week. Uh, but, they did, but they did have crickets. Don't worry. So I thought this morning, uh, I thought this morning uh, I would I'd actually need a glamorous assistant. Paul, would you like to do it? And then I won't make you eat any. Uh, <laughs> um, so I do have a few people that I've asked to volunteer for this. Um, I'm very happy that... Uh, you might have to walk it to them. Uh, my brother AC, he said he would happily eat some with honey on top. Um, uh, Graham, Graham would love some. Don't go past Phil, because Phil would definitely like some. Um, okay, so I'm looking, oh, and I think Charlotte, did you say you'd like some at the back there? I think Charlotte would love, why don't you take Charlotte a little part at the back there? Would anybody else like to be brave and eat some locusts and honey? Yes, thank you very much, Aidan. Yes, oh, here we go. Okay, I do need to just point something out very quickly from the front. Uh, Aidan over here, and we've got one at the back, and Charlotte, don't forget Charlotte. Um, so if you, if you have an allergic reaction to crustaceans, don't, don't eat them, because apparently you can make you irritable. Um, take a spoon. The, I, I picked out some good ones with wings and uh, big eyes, and uh, some, some lovely legs, so give them a try. Any thoughts? You can take your mask off to try them. <laughs> All right, get some good honey. Hmm, lovely nutty taste, aren't they? They're quite nice. Okay, I, have, I did try some this week, I promise you. Oh, at the front as well, Paul. Okay, and I've got to tell you as well, the kids are actually trying some in, in their class right now, so that's pretty exciting. I got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Would anybody else like a try? We got a few more left. Anybody else like to try? Taraj and Ian, brilliant. Here we go. I like this. Well done, everybody. I'm really impressed. I, I won't forget Phil. Don't worry.
<laughs> okay, we got, we got some more. Diraj, don't walk past Diraj, Paul. If anybody missed breakfast, this is the perfect day for you, I'm telling you. And then, uh, did we get everybody who asked for some? Yeah. All right, hey, up. Okay, we are, we're probably going to have to, uh, we got Phil at the front. Philip, don't worry, I've, I've given you all a pack to take home, okay? No, I'm joking. Um, uh, Philip, front, and I think we've got... Mildred, are you going to have some? Wow, okay. Well done, everybody. How, how do they taste, everyone? Good? Yeah? Okay, I cooked them myself. Uh, one more at the back. Okay, can I just say, lots of people just ate bugs. Can we give them a massive round of applause? Well done. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Not bad. Nutty, very nutty. There was a choice between smoked crickets or roasted. I went with roasted. I figured that would be the nicest. That complement the honey the best. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for trying those guys. That was brilliant. Um, but you know what? What I'm trying to point out is John was not your ordinary guy. He was weird. Actually, there's a... a, a TV show called The Chosen. I would really recommend you watch it. It's a free app you download on your phone, The Chosen. It's like a, it's a drama based around, um, around the Gospels and follows the life of Jesus. Really recommend it. Uh, but in that, they, they, one of the disciples refers to John the Baptist as John the Weirdo. And, and it sounds a bit harsh, but it's true. He was a bit weird. He ate bugs and he, you know, hung out in, in mountain regions and, and wore, wore camel's hair. Like he wasn't your everyday average guy. And yet what we do know is that while John's in the wilderness, God speaks to him and calls him to action. John's given an incredibly important job to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And in doing so, we see an, uh, an important messianic prophecy being fulfilled. And Luke quotes from Isaiah 40. John does this by calling, uh, calling Israelites to repent, to submit to Jewish traditional uh, rite of baptism. Now, baptism, it wasn't a new thing. It was, it was fairly common uh, in that time for Gentile converts to Judaism. So those who weren't born into, into Israel family, an Israelite family, but wanted to follow Judaism, they would be baptized as, as a, almost a, uh, being, being adopted into the covenant family. And John's baptism of repentance, it, it required Jews to admit that they'd forsaken the covenant with God and to approach him again as if it was for, for the very first time. And it was by submitting to John's baptism that they were essentially admitting that they were no better than the Gentiles and needed a fresh start with God. John calls people to come and be baptized in the Jordan River. And, and actually what we see is a huge amount of people taking up this call, coming to the Jordan River and coming to be baptized. And the people that come to be uh, baptized, Luke describes them as being a complete wide variety of people. So we've got the poor, the rich, the tax collectors, those who were hated by fellow Jews and, and ta tax collectors were out, um, outcasts of society. 
And we see soldiers who were there to enforce Roman reign over God's people, the Israelites. They're all coming to repent and, and to commit their lives again to God. And, in, and while this is going on, John not only, dis, not only baptizes them, he teaches them in how they're going to show repentance in their daily lives. So it's not just the act of being baptized, but it's then how do you act that out in a day-to-day basis. John calls each of them in unique ways. Um, if you're a tax collector, stop collecting more than you need. <laughs> be fair, be honest, like show your repentance in this way. If you're a soldier, stop using your position of authority to take advantage of those that you're called to protect. John certainly doesn't hold any punches with his teaching. Um, he would go on to teach against a Roman official who married his sister-in-law. It was a little bit messed up. And John calls it out. And that plays a massive part in him being beheaded in a couple of years' time after this. So John certainly doesn't hold any punches back. And <clears throat> as we start this new sermon series, I actually thought John the Baptist was the perfect place for us to start. Because John, he didn't have any idea about how things were going to play out. He didn't understand always how Jesus went about things. He didn't understand that Jesus was going to be killed and that he was going to be buried and then he was going to rise from the dead. John didn't know any of that, but he did know a couple of things. Verse 16, he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He knew the Messiah was coming, the Savior of the world. And he knew what that meant. And he also knew that he had two jobs, to prepare the way and then get out the way. You read John's gospel, read all about him getting out the way. So as I've been preparing this week, as I've just been praying through the things that, you know, about John's life and what that should speak to us, I actually have a couple of really quick points that I want us to take away. The first is, do you feel unworthy? Like, just stop for a second. Imagine if the person sat next to you knew everything about you, knew what you thought, knew what you did, knew what you've done. Do you ever feel like an outcast, like you don't belong? Well, time and time again, it's clear that Jesus moves towards you. John the Baptist was strange. There's no getting around it. He was a social outcast, a little smelly with bug breath. And yet he knew exactly where he stood with Jesus. He knew he wasn't even worthy to untie his sandals. Yet Jesus chooses John. He chose John to baptize him as he launches his ministry. And in doing so, Jesus sets a theme for the rest of his ministry. He would move towards those who were outcasts. He moves towards those who were dirty, unholy, unworthy. Jesus moves towards them. Those who don't fit in. Those who society have rejected. 
you might feel like that deep down. And actually, I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking about how the enemy loves us to stay in that place where we, we know there's something in our lives that's just not right. We know that maybe we're holding on to some unforgiveness or a sin that we're doing that we just know is not right. And then what that does is it stops us from approaching Jesus. It stops us from going to him, from feeling that we can pray and actually mean it and not be hypocrites. But the truth is, Jesus just wants you as you are. You don't need to fix that problem before you can have a relationship with him. You can just be honest and say, actually, I'm unworthy. And yet Jesus moves towards me. The second thing that I want to bring to you is perhaps um, this is you this morning. Think about the crowds who are being baptised they were, they were being asked to recommit their lives to God. On that day, they were acknowledging that they needed a fresh start with God. Well, maybe this morning is the morning that you need a fresh start with God. Perhaps you've given your life in the past. Perhaps you've committed to him in the past. Perhaps you never have. And this morning is the morning that you say, Lord, I want to recommit to you. I know that my life doesn't reflect my relationship with you. I know my life doesn't reflect who I am in you. Let me tell you, you are loved. You are adopted. You are chosen. And that's the life, that's where we want to live our lives from. So perhaps this morning you need to say, Jesus, here's my life again. And we're not going to baptize you in water this morning, (laughs) but you can make a choice. You can make a choice just like those people did on that day that I want to live a life that reflects my repentance. The last thing that I want to say is that John the Baptist, who I've grown to love very much in the last couple of weeks, reading all about him, he lived a life devoted to introducing people to Jesus. And as his disciple, you're called to do the same. Is your life all about introducing people to Jesus? Like we know, like think about your personal story for just a second. Like I think about what my life would be like without Jesus and what it is now with Jesus. And I think, wow, like, Lord, I'm so, so glad and blessed that you, that there was a a lady called Lynn in Redcar all those years ago, 20 years ago, who, who was desperate to introduce me to Jesus. And now because of that, my life has been changed forever, literally forever. So so why don't I have that same longing commitment? If I know that Jesus is the answer, like for the people who are hurt, who are broken, who, who, who need fulfillment, who are chasing it in cars, in jobs, in money, in everything else. If I know that that's the answer that they're looking for, if I know Jesus is the answer that they're looking for, if I know that the need that this world has to know Jesus, then why is my life not more committed to introducing people to him? He's the answer to your friends, to your co-workers, your your mum, your dad, your kids, the person that you always see in the supermarket. He is the answer that they're looking for. Jesus. Are our lives, are we devoted to introducing people to him? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much 
for the truth that regardless of how we feel, regardless of the, the deep, dark secrets that we have, regardless of the habits that we can't shift, regardless of um, you know, how I feel inside, whether or not I feel unworthy, ugly or unapproachable, I thank you, Lord, that throughout the Gospels we see time and time again that you move towards people just like me. Lord, I believe there's people in here this morning that feel like you, they can't approach you. You know their secrets. But Lord, I thank you that you're walking towards them right now. And you're calling them to follow you. Lord, those in the room that perhaps have chosen to follow you in the past and then walked away from that commitment. Or perhaps life's just got a bit dull. Perhaps lockdown's just got us putting down our tools and just choosing to sit in our chair. <laughs> Lord, I know you're calling people to recommit their hearts to you this morning to repent of apathy, of chasing things of this world and actually say, no, Lord, I'm coming back to you because I know in you I will find my fulfillment. I know that deep hole in my heart that I'm trying to stuff things in there of this world that will never satisfy. You are the only one. And Lord, would you challenge me, would you challenge everybody in this room? We were introduced to you, Lord, through someone who was fearful, who chose to tell us about you, who demonstrated you to us. Lord, would our lives be devoted to introducing people to you? Holy Spirit, we know that these things are not easy to do. But we know that you help us. You are our strength. Thank you, Lord Jesus.